Greetings, adventurers. Welcome to Shores of the Silver Thrum. If you've never listened to Dark Dice before, this is a great place to start. Caitlin Statz and myself are co-DMs, co-narrators, and co-creators of the adventure you are about to embark on. If you've never played or heard of Dungeons & Dragons before, that's great. You only need to enjoy our story, as we have gone quite far out of our way to remove most of the references to the fact that this was originally played as an improvised game. The significance for you, however, as the listener, is that any character, or all of them, can die unexpectedly. And even we, the creators, do not know where the final chapter will take us. Yes, this is the season with Lily Pichu and Eric Nelson. No, Jeff Goldblum is a player in Season 2, actually. And these lovely people only agreed to play at our table because Season 1 is just that much fun. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also enjoy our prologue episode, Embark, which was released two weeks ago and introduces the crew of The Willow's Wake in greater detail, along with Deckhands Convo and Yara. Additionally, if you have interest in bringing the Willow's Wake into your own adventures, you can find the full rules and backstory, including a fully illustrated crew manifest on our Patreon, free of spoilers for future episodes. The link is in the show notes. A final reminder that this season is scheduled to release every other Tuesday until October, so stay subscribed and stay prepared. Only one question remains. Shalis de Pace. Salis. Do you seek him? 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 Do you seek the nameless god? You have found yourself among those who roll the dark dice. What you're about to hear happened long ago. A story brought back from the edge of oblivion, dutifully transcribed and enhanced orally to better captivate your attention. Our tale is a harrowing and collaborative one set within a world of dungeons and dragons. However, dissimilar to most stories of its kind, our protagonists are not fantastic heroes of legend, they do not understand what lays on the path of their fate, and they do not overcome all odds. Fear the strangers in your midst. Never play games of fate. Shores of the Silver Thrum. Chapter One In the Willow's Wake. The city of Embergrod was small, run down, and mud-strewn. Every breath smelled of fish and tidewater. Its nicest feature, surely, would be to watch the city vanish on the horizon. A group of five travelers stood at the end of a long dock, one of many. They had been led there by an overworked halfling employee of the Farhaller Company, the company with which they had all separately booked passage. With a point and an nod toward the ship docked before them, papers were signed. The crew was readied and the guests had arrived. After placing a small board of wood and paper on a nearby crate, the halfling turned, and with a practiced bow, took her leave. The travelers now rested in the captain's charge. Rocking against the gentle waves, creaking with every soft toss to and fro, a spot-rusted well-worn wooden galleon waited. 
Its name had once been etched into a placard on its portside hull, which shone like silver in reflecting sea light. But that placard had long since sunk beneath the waves. Now only flaking paint gently outlined. The willows wake. Stepping aboard the deck, the creaking seemed to lessen, but only because the ringing of the rigging and the fluttering of luffing sails filled the sea-thick air. A sturdy man, dressed in salt-splattered blue-dyed leathers, walked out to the deck. He nodded in greeting, then scratched the white scruff of his short beard. Now older than most who still braved the icy and wild waters, he was sure in his sea legs, even as the willow's wake gently arched with every wave. With wrinkled eyes, the man peered back over his shoulder to the docks beyond, then gently smiled as he turned his attention to the group. You must be our passage guest, then. He scanned the documents, flipping between the pages quickly with pursed lips and a nodded brow. Right. Welcome aboard the Willow's Wake, a Far Haller Company vessel. I'm Captain Victor Gelmain, and we'll be embarking shortly on the half-month journey to Winterport. I don't mean to call you out, but would just like to verify that we have everyone. Let's start with you, sir. I've never seen an orc with horns. Surely you must be Arjay. Yes, that would be me. My name is Jasper William Cartwright. I'm a professional actor from England who you may know from shows like Three Black Halflings, Not Another D&D Podcast, or many, many others that are out there. There's quite a few, honestly. And here, among those who roll the dark dice, I'll be playing the role of the half-orc warlock, Ajay Ogun. Ajay stands very tall with these big elk-like horns stretching out from the side of his head. He wears some roughly shorn leather armor with a semicircle metal breastplate on his chest, which seems to be inscribed with runes and symbols. He has a big, heavy traveler's cloak on, and he's clearly hunching his shoulders and trying not to extend to his full height, aware of how intimidating he might come across to those he's meeting. He simply extends out a hand to shake with the captain and smiles at him. A pleasure to meet you, then. My crew will take your... your... You know, it doesn't appear as though you have any luggage. I keep all of my personal belongings on me. No worries. Thank you, friend. Well then, you sir, the Borough Folk Halfling. You must be Mr. Nimble Remble Troutspine, was it? Oh, it's Troutspine Trout, but you can just call me Nimble. Captain, uh, sir? Anyway, I think it's easy enough, but it's not the most common name for big folk like you, so just Nimble, please, and thank you. Hello, I am Daniel Bastini, a localization voiceover actor, sound designer, and audio drama producer from Brazil. And I'm playing Nimble. Nimble Rambo Trout Spinetrout is a burrow folk ranger, a halfling folk hero. He is a friendly young man with a bag swung over his shoulder filled with clothing for different types of terrain like snow, swamp, tall grass. He is casually dressed but excited for this trip. His eyes look to and fro, glancing at the dogs and the sheep and all the new things he's never seen before. And Nimble is a bit short, even for halflings, and he doesn't mean to, but he's quite stealthy when he moves. It looks a bit like he's been in the wilds for a while, because his hair and beard are all curly and wild, but despite this, his expression and constantly tapping feet and fingers make it clear that he's still quite a young guy. He's got these simple tattoos visible on his arms from his hands up to his shoulder in a dark pattern that look a bit like a river, and it's supposed to be a river. In fact, there's also a small vial of water from his home on the Shade Hill River that is occasionally visible on a necklace he's wearing under his shirt. 
He has never been this far from home, so he's very excited, talking a bunch whenever there's a moment of silence, and he's barely concentrating on what the captain's saying as he pats his buddies Vind and Ajay on the back of the legs and whispers. Hey, hey, guys, Vind, Ajay, this boat is larger than half my village. How could no things like this exist? <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till you see the inside. Thank you, Mr. Nimble. Now, ah, it's always a pleasure to have someone from the capital on board as well. We'd love to hear some updates from the city. Lady V? Um, yes, don't call me V, by the way. Call me Viviana. I am Lily Pichu, I am a YouTuber, streamer, voice actress. I'll be playing a tiefling rogue named Viviana Bloodchamber. Viviana is a very tall, young, skinny tiefling. Kind of like a half-human, half-devil, basically. She has long black hair that goes down to her lower back. It's thick and unbrushed, very scruffy, with stray tangles everywhere. She has light blue skin, small horns, purple eyes, and a thin tail that ends in a heart-shaped point. Her custom black leather armor gives her a bit of a gothic look. It's easy to tell from a single glance that she doesn't really want to be there. She just sort of motions to a backpack on the ground next to her that she's stuffed with traveling goods and waits for someone to pick it up. With an almost invisible nod from the captain, an older half-orc deckhand moved to pick up her pack, which was surprisingly heavy. Noted, and sorry for the confusion, Lady Viviana. I can tell from your clothing that you're Dalarian nobility. You must be Lady Lan. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Nice to meet you. Lan proceeds to shake the captain's hand. I am Sophie Yang, a voice actor from Taiwan who you might know from the White Vault or Vast Horizon. And for this campaign, I had the pleasure of playing the human bard known as Lan Chiu. Lan is a human with dark hair, Asian features like my own, and she's dressed in high-quality qi pao, which is to say, well-embroidered formal wear with beautifully stitched designs of the sun, mountains, and flowers. And she holds herself in a way that it's clear that she feels like she's the center of every situation and she has the charisma to back it up most of the time. Even from the walk to the ship from the docks, it's clear that she's well-mannered, cultured, and a part of upper society. It just happens that the home her society belongs to, Dalaria, was destroyed a few hundred years ago. Lan oftentimes mumbles poetry, or at least it sounds like she is, but those who speak Shan Dalarian will understand that she's actually just cursing most of the time. <laughs> we thought you were telling us nice things. And sometimes that may be true. Well, she carries well-crafted daggers and has just taken a home remedy she believes will prevent her from getting seasick while glancing at the luggage beside her, which contains a change of clothing and a few things that'll make her feel, make her cabin feel more like home. Some things from the homeland she's never seen. Ah, lovely. We'll have those taken to your room shortly, Lady Lan. Then that just leaves Sir Graveview of the Shade Elves. Do I have that right? Hello, Captain. I am Eric Nelson, a TV actor. And the youngest Emmy Award-winning actor ever. <laughs> that too. And today I am playing the lovely, handsome, but not particularly intelligent, roguish elf, Vind Graveview. Before he opens his mouth, you get the idea that beneath those golden locks and deep blue-green eyes is a leader that you can trust. A hero of his people. After he opens his mouth, well, <laughs> well, Vind has a really impressive scar over his left eye, a water flask carved from an owlbear claw slung to his hip, 
and armor crafted from shade steel leaves, which fit like a second layer of muscle that augment his own athletically fit body. He wears a beautiful green cloak and long-sleeved tunic, which could only have been sewn by the finest elven craftsmen. While throwing javelins are slung behind his shoulder, he uses a very elaborate, almost magical-looking spear with a gem in the middle as a walking stick. It's clear that the spear is important to him, and as this rugged hero stands tall, looking from his traveling companions to the captain, he takes a breath. And then our lovely Vind opens his mouth and stumbles a bit because it seems like he's more of a hunter than someone used to introducing himself. <clears throat> yes, yes, you have that right. I'm Vin Graveview, the leader of the Shade Elves from the Blackstone Forest and the Blackstone Triad. We are a clan of about, uh, well, around 270 elves, which are, um, which are under my leadership at the moment. And, uh, <clears throat> not too many. So, please, no sir needed. You can call me Vind. And it's, it's very nice to meet you, Captain Gelmane. I look forward to the journey. Well met all. Neldich willing, it'll be an uneventful journey. Speaking of which, we will need to head out rather quickly. First, to the sunken bulwark. It's about a five days journey, and once we arrive, we'll be docked there for a full day. With any luck, we'll make it in time for the observance of last light. The captain glanced over his shoulder to a tall man indicating that time, and perhaps the tides, were running out. When the captain returned his gaze to the guests in front of him, he appeared nervous, thought-struck. And, uh, once we've given to the Sunken One, we'll be on our way to Winterport. It'll be about two weeks' journey to the Sunken Bulwark. From? The first mate corrected, a side smile on his sun-worn face. From, from the sunken bulwark. Thank you, Luz. I apologize. Your arrival was delayed, but our departure cannot be. So, if you have any further questions, I'll leave you in the capable hands of second mate Arv Mitoff on the deck. Deckhands Convo and Yelena here will carry your belongings. Please introduce yourselves. And as the captain turned on his heels, he called various crew members to swift action. The tattooed half-orc who had taken Lady Viviana's bags had returned and moved to introduce himself. Right away, boss. Not a problem. Hi, I'm Enrique Perez, a friend of Travis and Caitlin's living in Spain. And today I'm playing a half-orc fighter named Convo. Convo's an older half-orc, middle-aged with graying dreads and a beard. Uh, He's covered arm-to-arm in runic tattoos, and he's got a tall stature and darker tan skin. But you can't see much of it because he's almost completely covered in colored tattoos. He's muscular, but he's got a bit of a beer belly because he let himself go roughly five years ago. He's still physically imposing, though he tries to look as friendly as he can with his posture and gestures. He isn't used to talking with fancy folk, so he sort of musters up the courage for a cool guy nod. Uh, greetings everybody. My name is Convo. This is Yelena. A dark-haired human woman standing next to him spoke up. Hi, I'm Yelena. We work here aboard the Willow's Wake as deckhands. We'll be helping you with your, uh, stuff, I guess. If you could nicely point out to what shit you need getting hauled aboard so we can get going. It's tough, not shit. Damn. (laughs) I would appreciate it if my things were never referred to as shit. Thank you. Sorry. Take these to my cabin. Anyone else? You can take my backpack, too. 
I'll get that. Ugh. Everything. Well, I must sure have anything. Nimble scratched his beard, oblivious to the pack he carried. I mean, you have a pretty big bag slung over your shoulder there. Huh? Oh. Are you sure you don't need any help? Oh, it's for me. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. It's just gloves. It's very light. Don't worry. Uh, I have some traveling gear and would absolutely welcome a hand with it. Got it. Let's get moving, if you would. Could I give you a hand, perhaps? Ajay addressed Convo from a similar height. The older half-orc felt an unexpected familiarity and kindness in Ajay's words. Convo, unaccustomed to unfamiliar niceties, was unsure how to register his emotions and did his best to brush away the interaction quickly. Nope. I think I got it. That's why I'm here. Uh, uh, these are the guests. And? Convo led the guests toward a halfling woman on deck, who was rapidly coiling ropes as they were tossed up from the docks below. Captain said you'd show them around. Can you... can you give me, like, two minutes? You know what? Yara, why don't you take a sec to introduce yourself? The halfling woman pointed to a man who appeared to be another of the ship's deckhands, a bearded human with a dark owl perched on one shoulder. Yes, ma'am. Hello, my name is Florian Seidler. I am a father, a German language tutor, and an occasional theater actor from Berlin. And I will be playing a human rogue named Yara Driftwood. Yara normally wears tattered-looking clothing, but today he's been instructed to wear something a little bit nicer, something that will keep him warm and a bit more professional than normal. He sports a well-trimmed beard, long hair that he keeps tied in a man bun, pinned together with elements of a lockpick set, which none of you will realize, but I figure others would appreciate. Uh, but the most notable and noticeable thing is the little owl sitting on his left shoulder. Um, that's someone you're gonna <laughs> get to know, maybe, later. And Yara, nervous at talking to the ship's guests and being suddenly put on the spot, does his best to give a polite welcoming motion with his arms as he says, uh, Yes, of course. Um, Yara, I'm, I'm, I'm the shipwright for this trip. If, if you have anything that needs fixing... Um, just let me know. Uh, if there's anything else you need carried down to the mess hall, just leave it port side of the... That, for you, that's over here, the left side of the ship. Just leave it there, and our fine crew will take care of it. He glances nervously at Aff for guidance, and sees that she's just not going to give it before continuing. Um, nice to have you aboard. Um... This year, this is my friend Celie. Um, just stay out of her way and let her mind her own business, and she'll keep the rats away. Don't mention the rats. What? Uh, yeah, did you mention what you're not supposed to be mentioning? Did I? Did I mention anything? I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, um, we we gave this ship a a, a good cleaning. We're uh, <laughs> we're taking care of that. Don't don't worry about what he's saying. Uh, we're <laughs> taking care of it. Don't worry about it, y'all. Yeah. Just, just go downstairs, man. Just go downstairs. The halfling woman abandoned her task to salvage the introduction, giving a grand bow and doing her best to be polite. And Zavos. I'm Av Mitov, second mate of the Willow's Wake. Yeah, I'm a halfling. And uh, no, I'm actually quite tall for halflings. As you can see here today, we're near a Kleinoskeletal crew this expedition, meaning if you see a problem, let one of us know so we can fix it. Schnell, schnell, yeah? So, uh, 
Are any of you prone to seasickness? I have not been on a boat before, so uh, <laughs> we will see, I guess. <laughs> Pro tip for you. Keep it out of the boat, not in the boat. Um, what would I keep out of the boat? Whatever comes out of you. <laughs> that is most <laughs> encouraging. <laughs> Thank you, friends. If you need a hand with anything or if you're feeling uneasy, I'm, I'm here for you, buddy. I'm good. Thank you. Viviana raises her hand to ask a question. Uh, yeah. Please don't feel like you have to raise your hand. You're the guest here. Yeah, sorry. How's the food here? I'm starving. Uh, that's a very good question. You're from Helendria, right? Oh, the food here is great. So good. Well, they mentioned some rats earlier. They did mention the rats. <laughs> rats are not on the menu. Are you sure you, Viviana? Lady Viviana. Lady Viviana. Gross. There is nothing wrong with rats. <sighs> no, 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 no. Let me speak firsthand that Uda does a great job at cooking in on the ship. By far, perhaps some of the best meals I've had on a ship so far. Or on land. Okay. A real talent with a knife. The cooking kind. And he's old, so you know you can trust him. What? I'm not that old. What about Linson? He's maybe over a hundred. Unbelievable. Five minutes. Great. So the food is or is not edible. So that's... We'll get you uh, sorted right away with some food as we get your stuff put away. Combo, Yelena, coffee bitter and schnell, yeah? Schnell, boss. I'll do a quick introduction and tour and then we'll get you some food by the time we leave the harbour. Second mate Av Mitov pointed at various crew members all working under setting sun and rolling sweat to get the ship off the docks and out to the open sea. It was winter and days had grown even shorter, though the work remained as heavy as ever. Among the crew, the human man the captain had spoken with earlier was now shouting orders across the ship. Yelling at deck, Hans Linton and Becker, the dwarf and Tiefling respectively, is Mr. Mason Lurs, our first mate. You met Cap? Uh, the captain, Captain Gelmain. Good man. Now, over there's our sea sorcerer, Myra Gallisk. They're around, so we've always got wind in our sails. Uh, at the helm there, Navigator Looper, and the Orc bringing the coffee there, yep. She's our ship's cook, Udar Quit. Uh, yeah, so the Willow's Wake is a lovely galleon, drawing 12 feet 9 inches. She's got over 2,200 journeys under her sails and is 170 and 8 years old. Up there is the toilet, known as the head. Back there's the captain's quarters. They're just under the helm. The other door next to the captain's quarters is our special guest quarters for Ladies Lan and Vivi, Lady Viviana. The rest of you fine guests will be sleeping in the main mess with us crew just down these stairs. I'll add that you're not the only passengers on this voyage. We've, uh, we've got a fairly dangerous prisoner we'd like to keep isolated in our hold as well, so please, kindly... Don't go there, unless you want a scolding from Mr. Omen Page, our ship's jailer. Uh, speaking of which, i uh, got to go make sure things are ship-shape in the galley, uh, kitchen, at the bottom of the boat, and uh, get Udog moving on that meal. So, uh, Yara, Yara and Convo, please make sure our guests feel welcome. Groosty gotta. And with that, Av walked off, leaving the discomforts of public speaking in her wake. She knew well the result of her actions, and grinned a small smile at seeing the slight nervousness in Convo and Yara's eyes. Yeah, so uh, as you guys can see, the leadership's a little bit busy in the ship, as we're a small crew and such a big galleon. So if you guys have any questions, or if you guys need anything, feel free to hit me, Yelena, or Yara up. We'll do our best that we can to sort you guys out. 
That's it. We'll grab your things and put them all down below. And outside of that, uh, Yara, if you want to give him the grand tour, feel free. I'll be down below. <clears throat> By the way, Yolanda, speaking of Omen, if you see him around, tell him I'm looking for him. I kind of want to ask him for a favor. Sure. Omen, you said? Omen, yeah. Convo made eye contact with Yelena and Yara, then moved to take Vin's gear below deck. However, I think, uh, Ajay, even though you said you didn't need help, will just, like, walk with you. <laughs> if you don't want help, he won't help. Because uh, he wouldn't uh, hurt another orc's pride like that. But I think as he sort of walks alongside you, we'll just say, Could I ask you a question, friend? This prisoner, what have they done? I think it is important to know if there is a dangerous person on board. A uh, dangerous person in, in what sense? I mean, anybody can be dangerous. Even more so if you're stranded at sea. That is a very good political answer. I think you know what I mean. <laughs> Everybody in the Willow's Wake is pretty on the level, if you know what I mean. We got some newer people in the crew. I'm actually fairly new to the ship myself. Oh, watch your horns there. Thank you. Uh, I came from another ship a little ways back, and I find myself in need of coins, so I'm trying to stretch out my sea legs a little bit. Side of our extra guest, uh, everybody here is quite professional. So you don't know what the prisoner is here for? It's okay if you do not know. It's not like I don't know. But you're right. And now I'm interested, damn it. Probably just stole a gold or something, but if I don't find out, it'll bug me the entire trip. So you know what? We can go ask him together later. When there's time. That would put my mind at ease as well, Convo. Thank you. Watch your head here again. <laughs> Thank you. It is the haunts. Every time. So, Whoa. the prisoner. Is he attractive? You're sneaky. When did you get here? The prisoner. Attractive. Yes or no? It depends on what your perspective of attractive is. It's a very relative term. Wait, one, one third time, give me a number. <laughs> I mean, if you're into beards and into hairy, hairy folks... And very dashing. Yeah, whatever. I'll go along with you. And you can already tell that Yara is not a man of many words, but of action. Uh, because as this conversation has been going on, he's asked the guests to wait a moment, grabbed the luggage for the ladies with Yelena, brought it to their room, scurried back onto the deck, and just looks at everybody going, Okay, you're still standing here. Um, would you like the tour of the ship now? Yes, please. Yes. That would be wonderful, thank you. Yes. And he just scurries back down the stairs and expects everyone to follow because this is how it works on the ship. Ow! Oh, Tony. mind your footing there. <laughs> yeah, happened to me yesterday. Be careful. Some of these planks are a bit old and uneven. Yara's working to fix them, but he still hasn't gotten to this section yet. Vind Graveview offered his hand and helped Lan gently up to her feet. Are you okay? What? Thank you. What a gentleman. You're very welcome. I could do that if I was a bit higher. Yeah, you're pretty short. Now, now. Ah, that's cool. You know, it's like they say in my village. Closer to the flowers and the fishes. Why are the ceilings so low in here? This is ridiculous. Ah, you get used to it, buddy. Don't worry about it. Come on, where's the tour? Yes, let's get on with it. Yara, it's all yours. There was a constant noise aboard the willow. The hum of people working, the air hitting the unfurling sails, the ropes and rungs in a constant dance, and below deck the creaking mismatched wood and grinding of rusted nails over the gentle slosh of the soft waves passing by. The ship had seen better years, 
perhaps better centuries, and though it might not have been the luxury vessel some of the adventurers had expected, it felt safe. Surely a ship this old had weathered many storms and survived with its masts intact. I think you see Ajay is flatly refusing to like do anything with these antler horns. He's like he's just bending down as low as he could possibly get, uh, even though it is genuinely so difficult because they probably add like another foot and a half onto his already seven foot frame. So navigating the lower decks of this ship is an a- is an actual challenge for Ajay. Yara, taking mental notes of rusty nails and uneven patches of floor, prepared to give his grand tour. Um, this is the lower deck. Um, I guess this is where most of you will be sleeping. This is this is where we are sleeping. Um, you can see some cozy hammocks over there. Um, I guess if, as long as we're working, you're welcome, you're free to use them. Um, I wouldn't use the second one from the left, because I'm, I'm not to mention too much about these hammocks as well, I guess, but feel free to use them. Um, relax over there. This, oh, this might be the most important piece. This is our book. Um, so if you ever have any downtime here on ship, feel free to read it. Um, it's a collection of tales. Uh, but please don't, don't spoil the endings. I haven't gotten through them all yet. Um, over there as well, there is a little um, chess table, should you be uh, willing to play. Uh, not all the original pieces, but what we've substituted works just fine. Uh, just don't play Omen. Uh, don't. Over there, um, that's the door that'll take you to the cargo hold. I don't think any of you have any business in there, but should you find yourself in there, it's pretty dark. Uh, please, just don't go in there. Uh, further down, you can... You can see the hatch over there. Um, beneath the hatch is a ladder which goes to the kuche, uh, to the kitchen. The door to the galley thundered with a heavy knock. Its iron handle creaked but did not open. <sighs> Perfect timing. Someone got to open the door. I have the food, so open the door or stay hungry. Hello? Uh, I can hear you. Oh, I think we need to open the door. Oh, uh, hold on. Hold on, Uda. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Uh, do you want any help <gasps> carrying that? Combo, you can grab all the bowls. I think we have... Actually, maybe a cup, too. We don't have enough bowls. <laughs> From the hatch below, a second very large half-orc appeared. A woman carrying an enormous metal cooking pot, brimming with something that filled the room with a fresh, savory aroma. Some kind of fish with perhaps lemongrass? The aroma felt very light, even stuck out on the open water. Uda put down the large pot in the middle of the long table and stirred the contents about several times with a long wooden spoon. I I got it, I got it. Uh, Uda, by the way, can I uh, steal some burnt charcoal from you, uh, if you don't mind, from your fire? Yeah, it's burnt. Doesn't do me any good anymore. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Convo rushed down the stairs, took one of the longer, narrower coals from the fire, and then brought up a pile of bowls, cutlery, and a cup from the galley in a unique balancing act. I'm happy to give you a hand if you need it. It's, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, I'm the service. You're the you're, you're the people who pay for the for the entertainment. Go ahead. No worries. Take a seat. I'm just grateful for the ride. So I'm I'm here to help as much as you if I can. 
There was certainly no pomp or circumstance as Uda served the food, which, despite its pleasant aroma, visually embodied the fearful slop which many had expected to eat on such a vessel. Uda took a large wooden spoon of the milky green cream, slapped it into the bowl, and slid bowls towards her guests before filling the next in kind. First come, first serve. You can all divvy seconds however you'd like. I don't have time. But no one goes hungry on my watch. (laughs) Next thing cooking is pork. Takes me way too long and I gotta keep my eye on it. She looked at her cooking pot one last time before dipping the empty cup into it and taking a swig of the stew before descending back down into the warm depths of the galley. I'm not sure how exactly things work here, so that means I can eat? Yeah, whatever. That seems like some fish I've never seen before. Oh. Viviana immediately picks up a bowl and takes a bite and makes a very disgruntled face and puts it back down. I think I'm good. Is everything okay with your food, Viviana? No, it tastes bad to me. I think I'm just not going to eat. You are not going to eat the whole time. Well, it no. Obviously, if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. But this is okay. not good, so I'm not going to eat right now. This is amazing! I've never tasted fish like this before! Mm. Right, Mimble Mimble? Mm, wow. Uh, this is quite good. I'm impressed they have a true cook aboard this ship. Reminds me of Shade mm. River Trout. Mm. The chef back at home made such better food. You, you know what? My family back home folks call us trout spine trout because there are very, I mean, there are very, there are, there are many trouts in in the in the Shady River. Uh, the Shady River folk, we... No one asked. Uh, Literally no uh, one asked. Oh. I mean, <laughs> well. Uh, they have fish, lots of fish, and you like trouts. Got it. And Nimble keeps eating. <laughs> Silent. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, if you like the fish, wait till Uda takes out the pork. That's gonna be amazing. Everything she cooks out here is like magic. Lon takes a sip and says, Mmm, very good. Reminds me of my homeland. Very, very good. Guys, join in. And she just takes in all of the... She slurps up the inside of the bowl since none of us have eaten for a while. Like, mmm, very good. Very good. So tasty. And just persuades... At least tries to persuade Lady Vivian to join in. You know that in the Bright Vale, there are starving children who would love to eat something like this? I think Ajay just does the whole bowl in one go. <laughs> just pours it. <laughs> just pours it without even chewing. That's like that is gullet. Just... Viviana looks yeah. at everyone eating it with such happiness, with disgust in her eyes. And just sits there quietly. Um... Viviana, I'm sure that you are more used to the finer taste of things. These kinds of peasantry-style dishes do not please you so well, can I assume? Yeah, you'd be right. The chef back at home made such better food. This? This is like... I don't even know. How could you eat this? I think everyone here is trying to do their best, so... Viviana, if you you could choose one... Just one food item to have on board with you right now that would just... I don't know. Tickle your fancy. What would that be? I'm just curious. A medium rare bison steak. Bison steak? <laughs> I was going to see if I could perhaps do some fishing uh, to, to pull you up something, maybe. I don't know. A little more buttery fish or perhaps a little flakier of a fish. But I, uh, I, don't, I don't think bison will be jumping out of the ocean anytime soon. So I apologize. I won't be able to help you there. But perhaps you'll come around. Yeah, yeah, no problem, Blondie. <laughs> 
Blondie. As as all of this is happening, Yara already having finished his bowl, of course, feeding scraps to Seely. He's he's saying if you if you don't like the food, there's always there's always some bread over there in the corner. Uh, we we keep it. I don't know. It's just it's stale bread, but if it tickles your fancy. Um, no, I I think and, I'm good. Thank you, though. Okay. So kind of feeling a little bit of frustration with a conversation that's going on. He doesn't make it very obvious, but Combo kind of scratches his forehead, kind of looks around, wanting to defend the honor of Uda's cooking. But he knows better and says, uh, well, if y'all excuse me, I need to talk to Mr. Omen. Oh! Uh, you guys are more than welcome to join me when you're done eating and such. Yara, can you... Do you mind going on with the tour? I got some shit to do in the hold. If you if you wouldn't mind waiting a second, um, and he takes Canvo to the side. Whoa, not, no, not, no, 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 no. I'm sure you got it. You know this shit better than anyone else, and I got shit to do. Sorry. And Combo just books it out and leaves Yara stranded there. Okay. Aren't Whoa, we in the a... middle of a meal? Yara, what's going on? Uh, Yara, that was a strangely odd exit. Is is everything okay? Yeah. Well. We're in the middle of a meal, aren't we? Do crew members not take time to enjoy their meals? Uh, yes. Well, you uh, you may not have noticed, but we're already at sea. And I'm sure everyone is a bit busy. Um, but it was. It was a bit weird. Even for him. Well, then again, I, I'm sorry to say, uh, we're the crew. Uh, a rather tactical crew. Uh, and when we have things to take care of, we must tend to them quickly. I don't mean to worry any of you, but he probably had some preparations because uh, we have a lot going on. Uh, I mean, just last night, and again, I don't mean to scare you, uh, we heard some reports of sea sirens around these parts. And as you may be able to tell, that could potentially cause some problems. So, uh, if I could just ask that all of you, uh, as soon as night falls, just maybe stay inside. Uh, at least for this night, uh, just until we're well far out on the open waters. Uh, then they shouldn't be a problem at all. And again, uh, they shouldn't be a problem to begin with. Uh, n- not with our, our sea sorcerer, or our hearty cook, or convo, or our second mate of. Uh, let me tell you, you really don't want to see her bad side. And again, uh, don't worry, it's just a precaution. Uh, maybe he's closing something up in one of the holds, or getting earwax, or something. It is funny. So, don't worry. Plus, stay indoors tonight, but don't worry. Absolutely. Yes, no, no reason to worry. Just don't, don't roam around on deck um, soon sea as the moon sirens. shows up. I've only read about them in books back at home. They're real? Well, um, standing in front of you, uh, I feel like this is proof enough that I haven't run into them as well. I have only heard about them. I have only heard about what they will do to you if you... And um, what will they do? That is awesome. What will they do to us? I mean, sirens, that sounds like... I'm not sure something... They they sing? Do they tell stories? Do they tear tear, tear us apart? Oh, yeah. They sing lullabies to you. That sounds scary, but that's awesome. Lullabies is is a a very diplomatic uh, description of what they will do to you. Um... I feel like most of you mm. are still eating or yeah. 
from saving room for poor. Eat. There, there isn't much time left until sunset. Yare, yare, yare. Yare, yes. Yaru, sorry. Can you repeat that? That will do. Yare. Yare is the name. Yare. So you're telling me at night there's a chance that I can see sirens if I'm looking out, right? Well, that is so cool. That is awesome. The shadow of the second mate loomed over Yara, who felt the heavy presence of Av's evil eye. No sirens, no rats. He turned just in time to see her finger cross her neck as she scowled at him from beyond a hatch before passing from view. Ship policy tells me uh, to not recommend seeing the sirens. This is not a siren-watching uh, tour. So please, stay on the deck at all Sorry, times. Sorry, yeah, I forgot. This is a fish-eating tour. Whatever. So if we have to stay in here during nights, I mean, I, I sure would like to go upstairs now. I mean, there's... I know there's much water, but there's a lot to see, so if you don't mind, I'll take my leave. Absolutely. See you. And Nimbo starts going up the stairs. <laughs> wait, wait, there's still the pork. I'm still <laughs> waiting on the pork. I believe the pork is a long roast pork. It will be for tomorrow, not today. Oh. <laughs> huh. So, okay, just really quickly. The one thing we were all told not to do, but said that we all wanted to do, was... Meet the prisoner? Uh, not all of us, though, I have to say. Not not all of us requested to. Okay, well, then who would actually like to head to the hold to meet, or try to meet the prisoner? Me, 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 me. Okay, so show of hands real quick so I me, can... Me. I'm raising my hand. So me, Viviana, and Ajay. Great. So let's go find Convo and have an adventure. He's just past that door. Good luck. Beyond the door, mere moments prior, Convo spoke with Mr. Omen Page, a human with an ever-present scowl and short curly beard. So, what's your offer? Tell you what, Omen. I know you don't like this gig, and I'll do you a favor. I know that guy gives you the creeps. Hells, he gives me the creeps. If you could get some parchment from the captain's quarters or from somewhere else, I'll take the first shift off your shoulders. Joke's on you, I always got paper. <laughs> Oh, that's just what I need. Ha! Omen passed Convo a page torn from the ship's singular book. The piece was part of a titled page, so it was mostly blank. Save for the intimidating block letters across the top section, which read, Rive and the Head of the Shield Queen. I was wondering if somebody wiped their ass with this. <laughs> well, that's a shift of sleep for me. And I just kind of fold it and put it away in my pocket. Enjoy your shift, loser. <laughs> Don't mind if I do, man. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> I think as uh, Mr. Omen walks out and Ajay walks in, Ajay will stop and be like, Are you Mr. Omen? Because Convo uh, was looking for you. Yes, we've spoken. Sap just needed some paper. Ah, okay. Good. He asked me to look, keep an eye out for you. So. Who are you? My name is Ajay Ogon. Pleasure to meet you. Good. Good, yeah. Uh, are you on the crew? Are you a new crew member? No. But I can help, if uh, that is possible. Well, then you shouldn't go into that room. The hold's off limits. Omen, Omen, I got it. Don't worry. Uh, I'll take care of it. I'll talk to, I talked to the boss. It's all good. Omen pulled out a carved oak pipe, well-oiled from regular use, from somewhere on his person. He snuck a rolled ball of green inside the bowl end and disinterestedly shrugged at Convo. Well, I'm off shift, so you're in luck. I don't care. 
Well, welcome. Come over here, and we'll make this quick. Obviously, you guys are not supposed to be here. But you wanted to take a peek at our prisoner, and it's better you do it with some supervision than try to sneak in here at a different time during the voyage. So behold, ye old prisoner. Convo indicated inward toward the middle section of the cargo hold. A dark, windowless room, lined on both sides with crates and barrels stacked atop one another, lashed with nets to keep them strapped and secured to the walls. The center of the room was lined with sand and large clay jars marked with symbols, which presumably indicated their contents and quantity. Above, a sizable iron grate separated the deck from the dark below. On the port side wall, bolted to the floor, Convo indicated to a large steel cage, inside which a massive creature of feathers, fur, and claws lurked. It scratched outward, bored, giving a low inward grumble as it looked around for something to eat. It seemed to reach for a bucket nearby, but just out of its reach, filled with the carcasses of dead weasels. That is so cool. Uh, what's his name? It doesn't have a name, and you guys never saw it. You guys can go about your way now. Have a nice day. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna name him Fluffy. Hi there! He is now Fluffy. Please go before he gets everybody in trouble. Actually, I'm pretty sure she's a she. I didn't tell you guys this before, but this scar. You see this? This scar over my left eye? It was actually given to me from a rather intense battle that I had with an owlbear in the forest some years ago. Seeing this one, it it brings me back to that moment. Yeah, owlbears can be vicious animals. Surely there must be a strong reason to have such a creature on a boat. I mean, should it not be sedated? Further confined? Yes, well, Fluffy will stay here, in the cage. You guys can go back to the mess. Okay, okay, one more question. How did she get here? Viviana takes out a notebook and starts writing. All right, you, you got to write this down because this is, this is a secret. Very carefully. Now go. Ugh. <laughs> she puts the notebook away and stomps upstairs. Thank you, thank you. <sighs> and after he ushers them out, Convo closes the door behind them and sits down. Kind of looks at the owl bear and tosses it a weasel. Yeah. You're a fearsome fellow, aren't you? He pulls out the little piece of paper and the little piece of charcoal and starts scribbling and scratching and sketching the owl there. After downing its meal of fur, bones, muscle, and innards, the owl bear began to settle down as Convo sat back to draw. Yet just beyond the cage of the owl bear, pressed up against the opposite side of another connected cage, was the actual prisoner. A bearded man seated on the floor in meditation, cast in dark, silent as still water, and filled with thoughts of chaos. Dark Dice, Shores of the Silver Thrum, Chapter 1, In the Willow's Wake, created by Travis Vengroff and K.A. Stats, featuring Jeff Goldblum as Balmer, Lily Pichu as Viviana Bloodchamber, Eric Nelson as Vindgraveview, Jasper William Cartwright as Ajay Ogun. Danilo Barascini as Nimble Rumble Trout Spine Trout, Florian Seitler as Yara, Enrique Perez as Convo, Sophie Yang as Lan, K.A. Stats and Travis Vengroff as co-dungeon masters, and featuring the voices of Kira Baxendale, Karine Kronfli, Lika Huchashvili, Chris Lers, 
Daria Ullman, and Marisha Tapera. This episode was produced and edited with sound design by Travis Fengroff, with dialogue editing assistance by Kayla Shu, additional sound design, mixing, and mastering by Dane Leonardson, transcriptions by Shion Francois, and executive producers Dennis Greenhill, Carol Vengroff, AJ Punkin, and Michael Villegas. This episode features music by David Wise, Stephen Malin, and Travis Fengroff. To support this production and get access to bonus releases, music, world lore, art, and early access to future adventures and D&D materials, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash foolandscholar. This is a Fool and Scholar production. Thank you for listening. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.